Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the Midgen Podcast. Hey, what's up? And welcome to a very special drinks edition of the Mitchin, the podcast you listen to right now. We are a Sydney-based food podcast. My name is Andrew Levins. Usually, my co-host is uh, Acme's Mitchell Orr, but he is currently somewhere in South Asia. Um, instead, we are doing an episode all about booze, which is one thing that Mitchell Orr cannot enjoy at all. Uh, it is, he, unless it is boiled in a teapot. He just, he, he can't, I mean, have you ever boiled a wine and given to him before? Uh, boiled only mulled wine, and then I put it into a blast chiller and made mulled wine slushies. That's awesome. Yeah, it was that pretty cool. That sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that later on. The voice you just heard was Mike Benny, uh, one of uh, Sydney's great wine writers. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot of holidays. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch his writing uh, in Delicious. In uh, that's all about all over retained from last time you told me what you do. Uh, Gourmet Travel Wine Magazine, Voyeur Magazine, Men's Style Magazine, Wine Front Online. How good's Voyeur Magazine? To me, um, out of all the things I want to achieve in my life, I wanted to be able to be read in the back of a seat pocket of a plane right next to a spew bag. Yep, I got, I, I, I achieved that dream a couple of months ago too. Yep. I saw it. We, we were in the, were same, in the same issue. Yeah, so I know. And all I could think was, we're both next to a spew bag. <laughs> Um, now, last time we did a booze edition of the Mitchin, um, we had myself and Mike Benny and one other Mike, Mike Eggett, regular guest on the Mitchin. Unfortunately, he is unpacking a pallet of sake somewhere in Sydney. I reckon he's sitting next to the pallet while other people unpack it, more likely. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the conditions of this, of this podcast being recorded is it has to be at least two mics. And I am talking about microphones. Uh, so, we have uh, Mikey Nicolian from Continental Bar in Delhi. Over in Newtown, we have spoken about it like a lot in the last few episodes of the Mitchin. In fact, we've recorded a recent episode there with Elvis, who is one of the owners, and, and Jake from Mary's. Uh, but Mikey is the friendly face that you will see behind the bar at Continental. You may have seen him at Gardell's before Continental. You may have seen him in, in London five years ago before he made the move over here. Yeah. Welcome to the Mitchin Booze Edition. Hmm? It's good to be here. It's good to be in Sydney. <laughs> How's that visa coming along? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I've actually spoken about Mikey a couple of times in the last few episodes of the Mitchin because uh, I was DJing at the Good Food Guide Awards and all of the seats at the cool table got, got snatched up. Um, so there was, like, the, the, with us, yeah. was genuinely a table that had no women on it. <laughs> it was just every male chef that's been on the Mitchin before just sitting there with their suit jacket on, on the back of the thing, like going like, Wee-oo! for the entire award ceremony. <laughs> Obviously, I wanted to be on that table, but I could not get a seat. However, I was lucky enough to get a seat across from Mikey. And uh, I think it was the best award show experience I've ever had. Often when you have when you go to those award shows, you see people who are, you know, this is their fucking twentieth award that they've won, or or they're around people that have won twenty awards, so they've got to play it cool. Mikey, you Continental got one hat, yeah, <laughs> for for um, good food. You had no idea that was coming. No, you yeah. were over the fucking moon. Yeah, like so great, like cheering. Everyone was looking around at you, like who is this guy? And I was like, fuck yeah, man, this yeah. is the best. And then you won 
Continental won best bar. Yeah. And uh, you went ape shit. I did. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was so fucking wonderful. Uh, yeah, the from from what yeah, cheers to that. Uh, from from what I remember, <laughs> he, um, just, he just took a shot. It yeah, it was of mouthy it, wine. It, <laughs> it was pretty apparent that a lot of the people there had had been there yeah multiple times before and were, were pretty used to to that sort of those accolades and whatnot. It was my first. Uh, time going there certainly it's our first year at Continental so it was our first year there hopefully there'll be a few more further down the line but um, but yeah I, I was really excited we we weren't expecting the hat we certainly weren't expecting bar of the year so and by that stage I, yeah I was plastered so <laughs> in, in terms of this, this is something I mean Luke and I, I live around the corner mm. you serve my dog over the bar food <laughs> um, and booze and booze sometimes when she's up for it but you know, in terms of the differential, what do you think? What do you think? Kind of aces continental. I mean, you're standing behind the bar. What 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 are you bringing? Do you know what it's? I don't think it's any one thing. Um, well, a lot of people walk through the door for a martini, but they they stick around. They if it was just the martini, they would come down, spend fifteen bucks, and then fuck off. Like the. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. I've cool. already sworn ten yeah. times before you said it. So. <laughs> yeah, um, only um, I may yeah. swear. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, and and we wouldn't be able to survive on that. So people come down, and yeah, the, the food's cracking. Like Jesse's amazing in the kitchen. Elvis's influence on the menu anywhere is is insane. Like I think the the best things I've ever ate has been things that he's just handed to me. Like smash that, um, and yeah, the, the style of service is is different to anywhere anywhere else I've I've been or, or worked. Um, we just we try to be nice to people. <laughs> even if right. It's so warm in there. Yeah. It's so good. Like yeah. it, I, you know, I lament not being able to eat and drink at all the places <clears> that we that we talk about on the show all the time. Goddamn kids, I tell you. Am I right, Mike yeah, Benny? You're right. Um, but uh, <laughs> somehow I've managed to, uh, having having not been there for about you know the first nine months of the year you've been open, uh, I've, managed, I've managed to pop in. I don't know, I feel like six times in the last couple of months, and it's every time it's just it's that place that you just don't want to leave. It's you have a menu of both food and drinks that is so long and fantastic that you just want to, and it's things that you've. Certainly eaten before, but you know that when you eat it there, it's going to be that much better than what you have before, be it from like, you know, classic deli meats to like that kind of classic kind of Euro influence on Australian cuisine from, from the kitchen as well. I mean, the sandwiches that you guys put out in the front are so dope too. I'm, I'm all about they're, it. They're insane. The, yeah. The, I think the idea is that when, whenever, when we started, we would look at things and think, is, is that the best it can be? Nah. Put more mozzarella in it. <laughs> and like you know and also just you know the, the that seafood that you, plate more modern yeah, more modern than that, yeah. we that, actually do you know martini. what that martini no do you know it's funny actually we someone ordered some seafood, uh, seafood plate the other day and I was like oh, that'd I'll be me them, send them a plate of mortadella and yeah instantly everyone's happier yeah yeah one of the things that I like a lot and this is you know self-referencing a bit here but I, I wander in. Oh, here we go. I oh, know. Here we go. I wander in most mornings, as you know. Yeah. Dog comes in, etc. But um, it's scant that a week Before goes we by that you won't put something interesting in front of me, and you know you can appeal to uh, the geekery by mm. showing me uh, two versions of a, a spirit, um, or at the same time 
obviously pedal to a, a, a general consumption, making people feel very welcome. And I guess tins and tinning cocktails has kind of broken down some of the barriers that uh, come about with a bit of the cocktail culture wankery that goes on at times. I'll tell you, it's, it's funny. So the, the canning be. of... Co- Is this a good joke? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not. What's a punchline? Um, oh, I can wait. <laughs> Dick. Um, the... Doing something like that when when we we bought the cans we we bought heaps and and we we were like cool we'll we'll just stick everything in cans from from baked beans to t shirts and and cocktails and the for me martinis was the only thing that was on my mind like yep yeah, let's do that and doing a, a classic cocktail that everybody's familiar with everybody knows and is yeah it's delicious it got people talking about it. Do you know what I mean? I think if it was if it was a random drink, yeah, it would have been cool. But would it have would it have gone off the way it did? Probably not. Like uh, the pun's pretty cool, but yeah. <laughs> you've got Martini. You've got Cosmopolitan. You've got Canhattan. Canhattan. Yeah. What comes next? Fish House Punch. That's shit. That's not a pun. <laughs> and, uh, well, it's gonna be. Well, is it in a, is it in a, is it in a fish bowl? Uh, it's in one of the bigger cans. Does it's it have the, a fish in it? It does have a fish in it. Okay. Oh, right. So there you go. Yeah. Right. Tell me, tell me what, what's a fish? Uh, share a cocktail. So the continental and the pun will come in the name continental. Uh, that yeah. that is so cerebral. Yeah, it's going to happen. And uh, fish house punch is uh, an old classic. Um, and yeah, just going to garnish it with a couple of smoked sprats. Just a, a Latvian smoked sp- uh, fish. Just sitting on the top. That's just like a, a, an idea for now. So wait, you'll but like unopen a can and we'll have your dinner and your drink in it. Not dinner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like one of those salads you get at Sprats, <laughs> Sprats are a meat along, right? Yeah. It'll be a starter. But, uh, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, well, that's that's the next idea. But I don't, I don't know if that we'll actually end up doing it. Mikey, you, Mike Benny, you, you clearly said that um, with a few of the cocktail tin ideas in the bag right yeah what have you got uh i would really love to see a midori illusion in a can coming out of continental um with you know, the shaker on yeah. the side. well that was always the thing right in the kind of mid 90s to early thousands the shaker i don't like, know if you can get translucent translucent neon green can cans can you it'd be pretty oh, good. yeah we'll, uh, we'll find for, it. for me the one that i've been wait, waiting for is the hurricane so hurricane, hurricane. right hurricane. so i fucking love hurricanes yeah they're the great drinks right? cracking drinks so i've been sort of sniffing oh it. done sir yeah thank we're you. gonna do it yeah <laughs> hurricane yeah you heard it here first <laughs> mission exclusive yeah. What's I'm, I'm gonna take credit for mike Benny's great idea yeah. <clears throat> so we're gonna talk about a lot about canned drinks today of course we're gonna talk about a bit of wine we're gonna open with a uh a, a, an email that we got um to the mission podcast at gmail.com is our email address and uh this one comes from someone in freshwater um comes from ben. you know how fresh the water is there fucking very fresh well one beach over from the old sewage pipeline so i'm not so sure <laughs> is it an ironic name for a suburb things have changed at manly <laughs> beach so ben starts his email as you can uh, every time you send us an email and you should as often as you can the mitch and podcast at gmail.com he says levs mitch and mike's so that's you mike benny Ooh. uh first the praise thank you for helping me rediscover good food in sydney um, he may have forgot to subscribe to the Sydney Morning Herald for a while. <laughs> we told him how to. Um, I was working as a concierge <laughs> in Sydney in the mid-2000s, but have spent time out of Australia and kind of lost my way back in a bit since, since being back. Now I'm a musician and a teacher. But listening to the podcast has really helped me build a list of places to get 
two that are new and exciting and has given me a whole new appreciation for Sydney. Secondly, and this is what we're going to be talking about on today's episode, I'm getting more and more interested in wine and want to continue to educate myself as much as I can. Since you now plan to do a drinks-focused podcast every month, I wondered if you could get Mike to maybe talk a little about how the everyman, that's me and Ben, uh, can get their hands on quality wines to drink at home. There seems to be loads of places that, that to go to to drink good stuff when you're out, but there are some great... In- are there some great independent bottle shops that we could check out? Are there any mail order businesses or clubs that are worth your money? And what do you suggest? I also love my cooking and I've really enjoyed the episodes where chefs get into certain techniques and methods they use. Alessandro Pavoni talking about his approach to risotto was a real highlight. I love hearing Mitch and Mike talk about this stuff too. Thanks for the love to, to, to Mitch and Mike and not me. I appreciate it. <laughs> he also says, P.S. Is there really nothing good on the northern beaches apart from Pilu? And uh, so I can answer that question. That's right. <laughs> Let's answer the other question now. <laughs> it's amazing. Where can we uh, where can we buy wine in in Sydney? And, and I guess you know we have a few listeners from outside of Sydney. So I asked Mike Benny to kind of kind of go through a list of some great places that are stocking some great wines and his tips for you know if you know fuck all about natural wine or just good good new yeah. wine. How do we how do we go about getting it? Look, it's a, it's a tricky thing because you've got to pay some attention to first regions, and then I guess um, you know start to collate like you would with anything you're interested in a, a short list of producers that you enjoy, um, and that can be a tricky thing. But I I like shopping in independent retailers. So independent retailers to me are smaller wine stores that kind of work like a deli versus a supermarket. So you can go into a supermarket, get your staples, but you go to the delicatessen like Continental because you want different service and a kind of, you know, high quality of product generally. And before you get into it, Dan Murphy's, which is the, the juggernaut um, booze seller in Australia, definitely jumped on the craft beer wave pretty hard. And it's where you, where, you know, they have hundreds of weird beers there now. Have they done the same thing with natural wine yet? No, not yet. But interestingly enough... Um, I did some education within the Woolworths group trying to kind of, uh, I guess, funk up, using the word funky, which has been a theme on the mission for some time, but trying to make wine education more funky within the Woolworths group, which actually was quite a good quarry for me. I mean, I thought it was a valuable thing to try and change some culture in those stores. Yeah, for sure. Um, they did discuss early on putting in either an organic section or a natural wine section. And uh, nothing's come about yet, but I know it was on the table there. And that's probably a little bit speaking out of school, and I may get a legal suit for even suggesting it. But um, it was on the table, which I thought was fascinating. I mean, imagine if a major supermarket group did have a section. Amazing. I can imagine that some yeah, things would be, awesome. be questionable in that group, um, grouping, but it could be interesting. But at this stage, no. I mean, look, Dan Murphy's can do some very good things in terms of fine wine, and particularly the new Pran, Pran, Pranahan, whatever the fuck you call it in Melbourne, store is epic. And also the really? one, in, the one in Double Bay. I mean, if you want to go and get fine wine, back vintages, insane s- spirits, these places are very, very good. It's they're, they're these one-off stores. I'm going to ask you a very dumb question. Yeah, is fine wine good? Fine wine is a is a flexible <laughs> term. It's a yes and no answer. You got thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, yes and no. Look, fine wine as a definition is very hard to kind of pin down. You would say that it is about. Wines that are transparent as to where they are grown and made that are able to age with impunity, you know, that are able to age well in a cellar. Um, Fine wine sometimes to me can be boring because culturally it doesn't fit with how I'm eating and drinking. And fine wine is good for putting on a pedestal and putting under the microscope. But sometimes when you're dangling your feet in a swimming pool on a summer's day, you just want to annihilate a magnum of rosé. And that wine may not be fine or 
even close to what people would consider premium, but that doesn't really matter. And I think that's how sometimes natural wine plays nicely into the what I call cultural vernacular of Australian drinking, and that is outdoors, casual dining, Mediterranean, spice, seafood, 10 months of summer. And light, fresh wines can play into that very, very well. They're evidently often better than a Bacardi Breezer. So, anyway. Better. Big call. Better. Big call. I know. I know. I mean, what Mikey Nicolian can do with a Bacardi Breezer ice and a lime is phenomenal. In a can. In a can. Yeah. What he does is he puts the lime and a Bacardi Breezer in a can and then he seals it. And then he charges 15 bucks for it. It's fucking insane. Yeah. yeah. Best bar of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so independent wine stores. Independent wine stores. And, and you know, Mayor Culpa, I must admit that that's where I was born and raised in the wine industry. Um, I wandered into my local shop while I was um, finishing university and I was asked if I had any experience in the wine industry. And where I was said, that local shop? It was Best Sellers in East Sydney. Um, I'd been working as a journalist during university. I wanted kind of a dumb job, so I walked into a bottle shop that was close to my house. They said, have you any experience? I said, no, but I live 30 seconds away. I'll drive your van and fill your fridges. And that was basically the gestation of my entire career. And in this space was uh, thirst and energy for making wine fun, but also um, educational, which set me on my path. And independent wine stores have this sort of knack for drawing on eccentric talent and then shoving it out into the ether. And one of the amazing things is they make you taste a lot of wine. You see a lot of winemakers visiting the stores and customers who visit those stores then get an enhanced experience. I mean, you've got people on the floor who, like in any specialty shop, are geeks of that trade. So if you walk into Best Sellers, you have two or three people who look like they belong at a craft beer festival in terms of being weird-looking, having asymmetrical print T-shirts and strange haircuts, but they will talk to you about wine like the Bilio, and you'll walk away going, that was a good experience. I learned something, and I've got something different in my hand that I can take to a table that will probably enhance the dining and enjoyability of an experience that goes on afterwards. So independent retail for me is really important because it, it, it just gives wine and all drinks uh, a place that you can have a sense of discovery, and I like that a lot. For me in Sydney, bestsellers was where I worked. So, you know, take that as it will. That that's a place that I endorse very, very heavily. It's still a wonderful shop in East Sydney in an old terrace. Little has changed. It's just it's fun to visit. One of the first places you ever served me a wine, I think. Yeah. Um, and when I say served me a wine, the night before I used to work in nightclubs. So did my wife. I still do, but she doesn't. And uh, she, uh, I, I got home quite drunk. Um, before her, I had to go home before she came home. We we're at the same club and I had to take myself home. And she said, I really think, uh, you know, you should maybe, maybe settle down on the drinking a bit. This is years ago, guys. It's fine. I can talk about it now and we can laugh about it. It's not a big deal. And I said, you don't understand. It's not me. It's not my fault. People just love getting me drunk. And she was like, it's fucking bullshit. You just need to like, just like, you know, manage yourself better. And, and you can't just write yourself off. So we went to a... Uh, a friend of ours, Mel, invited us to um, a, a wine event that you were doing at Best Sellers. And I show up and you yell, Levens! And you shove a bottle of wine in my mouth, hold my head up, refuse to let go of my chin until I drink the rest of the bottle, which was more than half serious? full. 
that's fine. And I, then you let go, and I was like, "See, why did I tell you? People like getting me drunk." <laughs> Case in point, little has changed. Uh, little has changed. Yeah, uh, it was a it was a great place. At one point, we got written up in Three D World because we had a banging hip hop night on a Friday, which was really just me cranking out whatever I felt like to like deafening level in a wine store. And then holding impromptu tastings, which were drinking sessions inside the store. And on Saturdays, we'd set up banana lounges at the front of the shop and have banana lounge wine tasting sessions. We would invite customers to sit in banana lounges. So you had all this freedom in these businesses to learn and show people, I guess, a different culture of wine. Um, but there are other great places to answer this very astute listener to the Mitchens question. Um, ben. Ben. Uh, so many Bens on the Mitchens. But how many Bens at Freshwater? Two. Okay. One's a good bloke. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Sydney, um, one of my closest relationships with wine stores would be with five-way sellers who, albeit that they're probably a little bit more stiff in terms of their... Um, They've been loop, for ages. Yeah, it, and a phenomenal shop. And Ian Cook, to me, is one of the darlings of the Australian wine industry. A generous, uh, honest, straight-shooting elder statesman, without being too old, actually. Uh, who's employed a, a number of fascinating people, um, from Nick Ryan, who's a wine journalist in South Australia now, to um, Todd Slater, who is an iceberg swimming guru and also just one of the most big pers- biggest personalities in the Australian wine industry. Uh, you know, a field of expertise in Italian wines in that shop, but also a love of Riesling. It sort of has its own specialties, and it's nice to walk into that shop in Five Ways at Paddington and check that out. Um, not too far from where we're recording this podcast in Enmore at Annandale is Annandale Cellars, which have always had an eclectic list of wines um, and supporting smaller producers and have a couple of um, tasting, I guess you call them mini festivals, where punters can come along and, and check stuff out that showcase uh, a different spectrum of wine in Australia. Um, the Oak Barrel in town, um, they're mega beer geeks and they have... If you like wearing asymmetrical print T-shirts and having pubic hair-like beards, <laughs> a lot of high but, IPA beers. But none of the guys that, that, that enjoy the beer that work at Oak Cellar have that. that no. Oak, sorry, Oak Barrel. Oak, Oak Barrel. <coughs> um, They're quite clean cut. That last time we, we, we were here, we spoke about the uh, the watermelon beer, and that I bought it from there. Yeah, and yeah, I've there. actually, a little update for no one that cares, but I've actually, I've come around on that weird watermelon sour beer. I'm glad. <laughs> I even made my father-in-law drink one with me. <laughs> he was into it And he cracked another one afterwards He liked it that much Yeah right Is that the one from Grifter? No that one's really good Yeah Alright oh, <laughs> this, one, this one It's like an American one It has like a moose on the yeah, front Yeah right Grifter and Batch do some good sales Yeah yeah Batch particularly But anyway that's a digression um, So they're kind of the We don't do digressions here on the mission <laughs> Yeah that's right <laughs> Just segues uh, And then uh, I believe his question also addressed Sort of online and, and clubs And I mean look Drinks.com D-R-N-K-S.com um, run by my dear mate Joel So again a little bit of nepotism here but no, Joel Amos has been on the Mitchin once or twice before Yeah and he's created an amazing dynamic In terms of a narrow focus of wine Of very high quality of great interest And a good culture around it too So he's giving natural wine a great birth online Accessibility and always changing up his list Which I think is, is part of the charm Joel worked at a place that I always talk about When I talk about independent retail He came from East End Cellars in Adelaide Which has to be one of the most awesome places to to get a handle on local South Australian wine, um, but also in a kind of weird dichotomy, some of the great burgundies and fine wines of the world sit in this kind of glassed-off room. So while I'm running in there, ripping the top off a bottle of rosé, sculling from it while the owner's yelling at me, um, he could be entertaining clients in his fine wine room showing off 
amazing Burgundies of the world and it's this amazing store in Adelaide. Joel worked there and came to Sydney Town, knocked on the door when I was running bestsellers and said, can I have a job? And, and that was our friendship 15 years ago. So there's a, there's a nice you know, piece of my heart that goes out to Joel when I think about drinks.com and how well he's going as well. Meanwhile, I was traveling Australia at the time with Joel, DJing in Australia's worst nightclubs. Like Club 77? <laughs> like uh, the Academy in Canberra. That's great. I had a great time there. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, also, we should give a shout out to the 121 BC um, little bottle shop yeah, yeah. In, inside that inside the, the bar there. Is 100%. Really, really awesome in there. And that kind of Enoteca culture is, is, is missing a bit in Sydney where you can buy a bottle and drag it to the table. Mm. Or you can drink a bottle at the table and then decide you want to take one home too. That's indeed, yeah. And, and that was revolutionary in Sydney. But in, in Melbourne, you've got um, Gertrude Street Enoteca, which does a very good job of that. And wholeheartedly love that crew who's in there. Harry and Frankie in Port Melbourne. Um, Tom Hogan's next sommelier who now runs this kind of cavernous store that drags in all the local wine people to eat and drink. And it's basically a bottle shop with heaps of cool food. So it's sort of one to one BC, but on a grander scale and much more Australian focus, which I quite like too. In Melbourne as well, City Wine Shop. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do kind of the same. It's, it's, it's a weird thing that Melbourne's got this, got this kind of lockdown. Mm-hmm. This. Is, there, there is, even, is there a wine shop attached to, um, what's that great joint in Geelong? Um, Igni? Igni. I haven't, don't know if they're, they're retailing. No, I've got Igni. Is so, Igni might be my favorite restaurant yeah, at the moment. I'm like, feeling a bit like I haven't got to send the love out there. It's so, so good. And I, the, I don't, like, Aaron and his beard is Aaron fabulous. Is, is amazing. Beautiful, he has beautiful pube beard. Beautiful pube beard. <laughs> I mean, if you ever found a pube in your food at Igni, you could excuse it because of how beautiful. It's like chinchilla, it's chinchilla-like in terms of its texture. But so from a food level, like you, you, you eat the, yeah, and you watch like all of the chefs kind of gather around their charcoal grill like a, like a campfire almost. But on the owner, is there anything to Andrew or something like that maybe? Andy, Drew, something like that. He, he's, his wine list is insane. I think you can buy the wines there. Might be very wrong. Sorry, Igni. The um, bodega that's just opened up in the tram sheds have got a Yeah, that's happening next. And really? Yeah, and yeah. I, reckon, I reckon there'll be that a opened surge yesterday, in... Didn't yesterday, it? was the official opening, yeah. yeah. But, and and it's, it's amazing in there. Like, the, it's, yeah, it's a tiny room with, like, 300 wines in there. It's pretty cool. And Mitch and listeners will know that as uh, the restaurant named Bodega Nights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not called that, is it? Yeah, it's called Bodega... 1904, I think. Bodega or, Nights. Yeah. Call it Bodega Nights. Hashtag Bodega Nights. Yeah, Make it happen, Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think there will be, there'll be a surge of, of places that offer that more now. I think they'll, they'll start cropping up more because it's, it's so, so convenient. If you're offering wines and, and, you know, and booze that people aren't familiar with as well, there's, you know, there's so much more reason to kind of offer that as something that they can try and try again people, by, by bringing it home. Also, people trust wines more that's on a restaurant list than they do that's on, in, in a shop. Yeah, look, one of the major, and this is, this is uh, you know, research-based now, not just speculative, but one or two of the most motivating factors in terms of purchasing wine um, are signifiers and one of those is a red circle with a line through it that has the original price and a lower price beneath it <laughs> so you know that's and no joke that's you know research has said that discount equals impulse to sell impulse to buy i should say and then the label and it's funny to to revert to ben's question about you know where can you buy wine how can you buy a good wine um about it was 2008 i think i went to this thing called the uh 
or Shiraz something or other. It was like the Shiraz. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. It was so memorable. It was this conference about Shiraz. I mean, shit. What was the one we talked about last week? The Riesling time? Rendezvous. <laughs> Fuck, wine, wow. people, wine, wine people really dipped into the lower end of the marketing pool. I tell you what. <laughs> look at some of the labels out there. Look at some of the concepts for events. I mean, yeah, look, I'm, I'm with you. But anyway, I went to this Shiraz thing where you learn about Shiraz in the Barossa Valley. And they asked me to talk on stage about something. And so I brought two bottles of wine. One which had a street artist from Los Angeles who inevitably actually did some of the posters for Barack Obama's first co- campaign in bus stops he and stuff. The, the, uh, awesome. What's it, the uh, Yes We Can poster, right? Yeah, effectively. Yeah. 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 So he did which some. Is a, which is the yeah, motto of, uh, of Continental. Yeah. It is, that yeah. Poster, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, we can. 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 Yes, we can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or Mikey's motto, we love cans. <laughs> oh. Fine. Yeah. I'll take that. He loves, yeah. loves soup, you guys. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this, this, this Shiraz thing, um, I, I presented a. a a, a bottle that had this you know street artist label that looked pretty hip and then I presented a, a bottle that had a very staid serious looking kind of referencing f- great French wine label and talked about semiotics of wine labels and wine labels are and if you you know talking to the general public a, a grand motivating factor and I'm not going to say this is uniform but I will say that quite often you can kind of find out who the edgier perhaps more contemporary perhaps more loose in terms of their interpretation of wine producers are by looking at their labels. I mean, if it's, if it's a staid-looking, serious label, the wine, by and large, will be fairly much in tune with that kind of aesthetic. If you look at a label that looks like a five-year-old kid drew the label, you're probably fairly safe in making a judgment, and it can be incorrect at times, but you're making a judgment about a wine that says this wine might be a little bit loose-knit, a little bit more expressive than, say, the label next to it that looks like it came off the production line from Bordeaux, you know. So there is something to say about semiotics of labels and how it works in terms of your drinking experience. Um, it's not always true, mm-hmm. but if you're really stuck, for me, it depends on what you want. But if you look at the stayed label, you get something more serious, perhaps more structured, perhaps more, you know, line and length in terms of how it presents in the glass. Something a bit more wishy-washy on the label, abstract expressionist, colourful, you know, design orientated, and you might get something that's a bit more loose knit, fun, easy drinking. Yeah, instead of just being me looking at the color of the actual wine and being like, "That looks like something I'd like." Yeah. It's not a good way to do this it. This wine's been sitting under direct light for six months in a room <laughs> that's thirty-five degrees constantly and is brown, but I'll drink that. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a good label. I'm, I'm down. Give me some credit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, have you got a little list of uh, some places within Sydney um, to go just to drink? To, to drink, yeah, look. Uh, and, and if you're looking for somewhere to buy the wines that you like drinking when you're at restaurants, just ask the som, ask yeah. the staff. They're like, you know, it's, it's not, there's not that weird exclusivity. They're not, they're not like scratch DJs that don't want to reveal the source of their breaks in the 90s. It's a very obscure reference that no one will really appreciate. But yeah. maybe you, Mike Benny? Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to a lot of those DMC championships <laughs> and um, boy, do I remember about two of them. But most people that, that love... You know, new new styles of wine and natural and natural and local wines love it to the point where they just want it to be the norm, right? Yeah, and it's it's really interesting that that's the case. Um, there's this movement in South Africa which was called the Swatland Independent, and the Swatland Independent came out of a region called Swatland, which was by and large known for industrial wine making and fortified wines. So, an area that was agri-industrially planted and then farmed, machine harvested, chemical sprayed, 
etc etc to make a lot of wine and some revolutionaries went in and took vineyards from around the slopes that sort of fill in the valley of Swatland and started making natural wines on those slopes anyway to move to the actual crux of this conversation they started a street party based on the natural wines they were making from these reclaimed vineyards called the Swatland Revolution and they did five years of it and they only did five years because by the fifth year they pretty much said these wines should be the norm and they should be on lists and in wine stores as per any wine but just explained and they should be you know, part of the general culture of wine drinking rather than being exclusive or labelled as something other. And it's interesting, when you look at Sydney particularly, it's happening on most major wine lists. I mean, from Key right through to Mary's, you've got natural wines in abundance. And mm. they don't necessarily make a show or a spray or a spread or come under a different category or sit in a different kind of um, you know, headline in a wine list mm. as they should. They should just be integrated into the wine list and explained if you're buying it that way. Um, so in terms of venues that I like drinking at, they're people who initially, I think, made a, a headway with culturally natural wine in Sydney, um, but also great wines, um, profound wines, right through the stuff that you want to drink by the bucket load. Um, I've always liked Love Tilly Divine because I think in terms of pushing the envelope and diversity, that venue just has it all over most. And Gab Webster, who runs the joint, is just one of the loveliest humans on earth. Um, and wears a heart in her sleeve and is brutally honest about wine and just awesome to be around. Um, 10 William Street, you know, it's one of those places where wine culture is so writ large and everything they do that it almost overshadows food at times. Um, but then again, they get such great talent through the place as well. And they're always trying to do something different, which I like as well. And a great, you know, all these places, it should be said, like if you really like talk to the staff get them recommend you something like tr- put your trust in 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 the, in the staff at those these joints because yeah that's how you'll get the best stuff yeah as, as i've said and i don't know if i've mentioned it here before but just to reiterate one of my great moments of sort of you know um natural wine and wines of you know sustainable growing and less is more wine making in general was seeing a hen's party roll into love to divine <laughs> shouting out where is your orange wine list oh my god you know and to me i was like what a great Sydney moment. Um, How was this? your hands party, by the way? Uh, I ended up being the stripper, even though I'm not one. Okay, so we'll move on now. Um, great bit. Great bit. Uh, Monopole, you know, you, Nick Hildebrandt has been one of the few people on earth who's decided to sell her away wines rather than just slamming it on the list and getting it out the front door. Um, his consideration of wine is epic. I mean, Monopole seems like a venue that you don't kind of tear your mesh singlet off at and wave it round your head shouting out I love Kylie Minogue but it is the sort of place where if you want really amazing wine experience and a bit more sophisticated food then like it just goes hand in hand and just I just love that you'll go in there and go wow there's a eight year old wine from a completely obscure cult producer that Nick has sellered for five years and now released onto his list like that is the baseline for excellence and that place is excellent um mm. Barb Rosé as a newcomer to me is a place that is, um, you know, shouting loud about accessibility. I like that there's a kind of naivety about some of the wine program there. Um, They've got a a, a genuine lust and love for exploration and it really shouts out loud when you go and drink there. You look at By the Glass, you look at what Ed Loveday is doing with cocktails and I think although he's not celebrated as, you know, kind kind of part of the bar bartending mixologist cartel what he does with drinks is probably more akin to what i like drinking than anything besides what mikey nicolian does 
um, in, in, in Australia. Like, yeah. I just love looking at Ed's drinks. I just go, fuck me, that thing I want to drink the living shit out of because he's using local ingredients, native stuff. Um, freshness is really yeah, so we're not, we're not even talking about wine right now because no, that's the yeah. problem with going to Barbarossa yeah. and drinking wine you, you are so around. attracted to Ed's cocktails mm. Mm. they're all so good and same as Acme is the cocktails you, yeah. I remember the, the, the you know like the, the launch cocktails that Acme had and so few that there was a beetroot one that he did that well apparently wasn't very popular at all but it was so fantastic I think there's beetroot back on back it's on the recent menu. cocktail but, that, but that's the beauty of it is that oh, you know you. you have your you have your cocktail and he sucker punches with a wicked wine you know, yeah. and that, that is the art of a great bar is making you want to hang around and drink more. Um, and then finally, uh, and most people just don't bloody know it besides the insiders in the industry, but Mary's has one of the fucking best wine lists in Sydney. And they have, since day one, cellared stuff. I mean, that is amazing. So when you've got things coming from, again, the small cult producers, you look at Monopole and go, Nick Hildebrandt, well, yeah, you know, he's a class A, if not the greatest sommelier slash you know, bar wine person in Australia. Um, then you've got down and dusty, rude and rusty Mary's cellaring wines and releasing onto their list that most people just look at the by the glass if they get past a shot and a beer uh, and go, yeah, they're nice. And they are nice on the by the glass list. But then you get the wine list and it's like, holy fuck, it's, it's, it's a wine it's, geek's it's paradise. insane, yeah. Yeah. But I've got to say, just to segue back to to, to Mike and Nicolian and, and Continental. Thanks for including him. I appreciate yeah, that. Hey. <laughs> hey, guys. This is the <laughs> Mike-tion right now, the Mike Benishin. But one of the things that I, when I work, first walked into Continental and started looking up at the board, um, I liked that it was, it Real. made me feel like Europe. You know, yeah. it just said Riesling, Chardonnay, Chablis, <laughs> yeah. Beaujolais. And it, it didn't reference a producer. You just got a glass of that yeah, variety. I guess the the idea was that it was always going to be a, a a true expression of that grape and that any the, any grapes that we had on there, any wines that we had on there of particular varietals were things that people would be able to know and relate to. You know, it makes it just real simple, real easy, and it's them relying on the customers putting the trust in us to not be serving them something shit, you know? Um, and then from from there, if, if you want to explore a, a, an in-depth list, cool. But if, if you're going by the glass, like, what do you want? Like, a Riesling, a Chardonnay, or whatever it, it might be. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, 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 the, the, the list itself actually getting the letters up there took, took quite a while. Um, LV spent a lot of time at the top of the ladder drinking a lot of whiskey, uh, like the night before we opened, <laughs> there might be a few spelling mistakes. I think there's still some. And up how there. much of that was for Continental? Yeah. <laughs> In terms of, um, and this is this is just to kind of continue the Continental theme. I mean, your fascination for me has has often veered into the bitters, amaros, um, chartreuse. You know, things of herbs and spice rather than say sweetness or grain what's what's been your interest with with spirits that are more of well that ilk? in in one sense it's saying cool we're we're a continental deli we're european we're attaching a bar to that style so we'll just explore everything that's that's involved in in that style of drinking so things like calvados pastis herbal liqueurs amaros uh vermouths things like that so 
the 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 coincidence that yeah that's stuff that I'm really into is is awesome. I guess it's not it's not a coincidence. It's something that we've been building around it. But um, but it's it's yeah it it works well there. And I think uh, it's something I mentioned earlier when we were drinking that Rocky. Um, is the environment in which people are in dictates how much they're going to enjoy what they're consuming. Um, for instance, uh, you go you walk into Baxter, and even if you're not into whiskey. You see that massive wall of whiskey, you hear the music, you look at what's going on around you, and you fucking drink one. Like, if you order a beer, you, you order a whiskey as well. How many bars would you bother doing that? Not, no, nowhere else. Yeah. When you go to Stambouli and have dinner, you get a Raki, even though you would never fucking have a Raki ever. Like, ever. It's that sort of authenticity yeah. thing, isn't it? Exactly. And in, in doing Continental, I was like, sweet, we can actually fucking get everything that's European, that's all those. Um, Amaro is from different regions in Italy. I, I found this awesome distributor, which gets stuff that no one else has. And I, I started tasting them, and literally every single one of them was was different. Every single one of them had something about it that yeah, had something to do with where it was from, and 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 expressed a different style. Whether it was chocolatey, herbal, mentholy, uh, fruity, citrusy, and and I was like, "Yep, yeah, we'll just we'll get them all, you know." And then you can you you start putting together a back bar, and you look like, "All right, well, they can all, those can all go on the shelf of Italy." And then you start getting like all the the chartreuse. And when I did the chartreuse tra- uh, tasting, that was probably the best single tasting of anything I've ever done. And yeah, we got the whole range of that in as well. And you look at at, at my shelf there, and it's all all French stuff. And yeah, it's it's a bit different to to anywhere else in that some of the the sections are all designated to to where bottles come from as opposed to what they are. But yeah, I mean, aside the fact that you kind of expect that inside Continental, in terms of ex- you know exploring, I guess those more challenging flavors of spirits and amaros. Are you seeing much traction? You know, outside of Continental, in terms of you know who you're drinking with and what's going on in town. Yeah, um, I I think the oh, I've seen martinis crop up everywhere now. Like people, I, I reckon, and I don't know whether whether it is just because martinis are on my mind all the time, and and now that we're doing this, I start seeing. But I I, I like to think that we've made martinis a little more popular in 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 town. People are, are more prone to ordering them, um, which is which is cool. But then, in in terms of herbal liqueurs, bitters, I think that I guess like professionals in in any industry at all are always going to want to push boundaries. Um, and people that are keen to jump on board with what the experts experts, I guess, yeah, uh, in any field say, are all going to be excited about getting on board with that. Yeah. Um, for example, wine, um, natural wines, orange wines are definitely a lot more. Uh, are you taking a leak? <laughs> what? He sure is. <laughs> um, it, they're more confronting, but people are, are keen to to challenge themselves and and get on board with something more interesting, even if it's more savoury or more bitter or, or darker or, or or richer or anything that's not easy, you know. 
Um, bartenders are always going to do that with, with cocktails. Um, hence, I mean, I guess before before Bulletin Place opened, every like good cocktail bar in Sydney was just doing stirred down boozy cocktails. You know, it took someone like like someone with a massive reputation to to introduce seasonal fruit cocktails before everyone had could jump on board and say, oh yeah, actually they they are delicious. Um, and um, and I guess yeah, the 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 more people try to push things that are, are interesting, different, savory, or, or confronting, um, the, the the more people just keep jumping on board. Yeah, and we we move more sherry, more vermouth, and more amaros, and more calvados than I've sold in any other bar ever. And that oh well, I mean that's thirteen years. So it's fascinating though because there. You know, confrontational flavour and, mm. uh, you know, reception of that can be, um, you know, a tipping point for some people where they're like, you know, yuck. I mean, sweetness sells by yeah. and large. So when you talk about things that are at the oblique end of sweetness, mm-hmm. I mean, this is the same in the wine game as well. I mean, Sauvignon Blanc is what it is in terms of its phenomenal spread through wine culture and being the gateway drug in terms of wine for Bacardi Breezer drinkers. <laughs> Has been based available now at Classic. Continental. Yeah, right. has been about sweetness. The candy breezes, fifteen dollars. The candy breezes. Right? Yeah. We've, we've rebranded. Yeah. It is what it is. Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> Just put Sauvignon Blanc in Sauvignon it. Sauvignon Blanc. Um, but you know, it, it is interesting because uh, I guess uh, different audience. Uh, but at the same yeah. time, those who are new to the venue would probably be finding it fascinating to. But shit themselves away from sweet. I don't think there's. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a, a, a sweet tooth or a, or a palate that's accustomed like to, to that. Whatsoever. I've got a sweet tooth. You like dessert? Not my friend. Like I've got a sweet tooth. <laughs> the um, nah. I think it's it's about accommodating everyone. Do you know sweet what I mean? People are weaker. I'm sweet. <laughs> you are, but in a kind of in a kind of you know, if I was in jail and lonely kind of way. Oh, uh, uh, fine. Uh, I don't want to be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in jail, I'm not visiting. To interrupt the conversation with a word from our sponsor, um, we're being brought to you today by a block of uh, Comte cheese that Mike picked up in uh, where? Jura. Where's that? It's where they make Comte. Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fringe suburb of Adelaide. Kind of near where they used to make Holdens. It's ridiculous. Now, Jura is, a, is an eastern French department, uh, about an hour out of Burgundy. Uh, and it used to actually be part of Burgundy, but Jura has a certain cult in terms of its wine production, uh, and it's it's um, a unique place because it produces wines that are extraordinary and very different to most of France, but also has this amazing culture of cheese and Comte cheese. This is the most it's fucking so incredible, fucking good, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I so, keep li- it's literally addictive. It's yeah, it's a thirty-six month aged Comte um, out of I believe the autumn season. But I could be wrong on that one. Why don't you eat this part, Mike? I am. Well, what's this though? That's not mine. Yeah, it is. No, no, no definitely not. It's definitely your bit. I've ate every bit that's been in my hand. Well, why'd you cut that bit and not eat it? I'll eat your bit. That's definitely not my bit. Sure. Okay, cool. But one of the one of the things that I, <laughs> I didn't realise was that customs actually allows you to bring cheese into Australia as long as it's cryovac. Dude, really? Customs lets you do way more than they used to. They did not Shouts find to fucking customs. Yeah, they did not find my stash <laughs> of. I brought six wines back from Paris last time I was went to Paris, and no one brought brought it up. They were fine with it. Yeah, you, you bought it straight out of Comte. 
Straight out of Comte, <laughs> motherfucking <laughs> wine cube. Wine cube? Yeah, I love wine cube. So okay, I was really hoping you were going to say motherfucking <laughs> Ambrisa. <laughs> uh, one of the great things about the Mitch and Drinks podcast is drinking through it. That's yeah. true. So what have we been drinking so far, Mike? Right. Well, we've, we've had an array of things. Um, we did start off with uh, a Brian Gree from 2015 from Tasmania. Absolute cunt of a producer, but God, he makes yeah. some great stuff. They, the three guys are complete assholes, but at least they're making a difference in Tasmania in terms of um, not just making Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So anyway, moving on from that, we then had Mikey's uh, Continental Cosmopolitan, which if anyone doesn't realise is spelt T-I-N, which is really funny. You guys liked the joke, didn't you? <laughs> it's really yeah. good. I, I also like that, it's it's that the label is pink. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, man. It's appealing. That's it. So it's who's be. Carrie, who's Charlotte? We all are. Yeah. Tonight. Okay. So we had that. I've watched one and a half episodes of Sex yeah. and the City in my life. How many have you watched, Mike? I've watched everything. <laughs> okay. I've watched- I, I was like going to say, you definitely are a dude that's watched every single Sex and the City episode. Yeah, gun to head, but I watched <laughs> it. Uh, and then we had a Copavik, which is a premium quality original lager that Mikey plied on us. This which- is such a good beer. I, this is like, yeah, like this is they, all yeah. I want in a beer. Yeah, it says. It's- and this is this is like your house lager at, at Continental, right? For now, yeah. One of the grand ironies of this house down. lager is that it says store in a cool place away from sunlight and in the absence of strong smells, yet Mikey Nicolian has a very strong smell. Anyway, moving on. So we had after that, <laughs> yeah, sorry about um, that. Emilio Pepe's Trebbiano de Abruzzo from 2006, which was a thing out of my personal cellar. So you can't buy it, people. Tough luck. Um, this is, you actually can't buy this? No, I mean, you can buy a Trebbiano di Bruzzo from Medio Pepe, but not the 2006. Right. Why did he go so, into so much effort and make a label that said 2006 on it if no one else can buy it? Well, I bought it a long time ago. Oh, so sure. That's, that's gone of, now, sold out. Yeah, sold out. Uh, but great skin contact, Trebbiano, natural mm. wine out of uh, Abruzzo. It's delicious. Yeah, and it's looking, it's good shape today, which is, some of the bottles vary from time to time. We've also had um, some sips of... Iraqi, made by Virginia Spirits, which is 36 short. You guys have, I haven't. I joined, yeah, joined have this slide. So Australian yeah. Raki, which, Mikey, how did you think? I mean, this is, this is obviously a, a barrel-aged one here, but they've yeah. got a clear one as well. But um, I haven't tried the clear one. So it the the nose on it wasn't as intense anise as what I was expecting from, from Rockies that you have um, from Turkey and whatnot. Um which was appealing, like it's I've I've got that sweet tooth, um, and and so I like that. And then on the palate, yeah, delicious. Try it with some ice and water, but the the clear one is much more coarse. Mm. This mm. this seems to have a, and it's it's made in yeah. small batches, thirty six short, completely unique Australian company. It's herbal. You, it's like a mm. pastis. Yeah, you, you've got from batch number two, you have bottle number four. They've probably only made five bottles at this stage, <laughs> so I'm feeling privileged. Can we try that stuff? Yeah. And the other thing on the table is the um, fabulous Italian, the Italian from Adelaide Hills Distillery Bitter Orange Aperitif. So these, these guys are kind of having a pitch at stuff to put in Australian Negronis, yeah. which is a, kind of a, a new and fresh thing. Yeah? Is it? Yeah. Why? I mean, making your own... But, uh, there's a weird thing with, with um, Australian drinking culture, I guess, which is everyone wants to try and 
ace uh, an Australian Negroni. So, you know, finding a Campari equivalent, a gin equivalent, and a vermouth equivalent that can kind of make a wholly Australian version of the Negroni. And um, it's a, it's a it's a valid pursuit. I don't know. I don't get as, no one's I don't get as excited trump about Campari. No one's going to trump even Aperol's or something in Negroni. What's that? Um, I think I've got to go do a wee. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem with uh with, with recording a, a podcast in which you drink ten drinks during. Yeah, wees have to happen. So tell me, tell me what you're going to say. Know, so on on that point that that Mike was saying, yeah, it's you know it's it's a valid pursuit to to try and create something in australia because negroni is a massive here like it's something i actually when i first came here five years ago working on the bar at cardell's i couldn't believe how many negronis i was putting out negronis and spritzes and apparently like, there is like an anti-spritz movement going on right now because I, I saw an argument like a, an article went up last week what like like 10 things you should order instead of a spritz what Spritzes, oh, spritzes you are fucking like show perfect. me who wrote this article. I'll write them something back. Okay, well, That's fucked. Like, spritzes are awesome, especially coming into the weather that we're having. What else? Do you, anyway. Uh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, yeah, I, like, I get why, like, you know, like, 10 things you should watch instead of, like, Seinfeld. If, you yeah, watch, if you've watched yeah, the series exactly. 10 times or whatever. But, like... Mike Benny, we were just talking about this article that went up on the. I think it was on, how, how on, was on, it? on the Guardian. How was your piece, by the way? Was it a good piece? I forgot was to flash. Yeah. I forgot to uh, wash my hands. Yeah, yeah, it was oh, pretty man. quick. Can I give you a little bit of parenting? My prostate is good. A little, little parenting in Intel. In, in um, last night I was singing a lullaby to my son as he before I went to bed. Beautiful. And he asked for Old McDonald. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we were halfway through it. And I always ask him, I, I get him to say, like, what, what Auburn Dollar had on his farm. So he'll say cow or horse, and I'll do the noises. And last night he didn't say anything. And then so I said, a bottom. <laughs> and then I said, with a here and a yeah. And he started, like, losing his shit. Like, there is nothing better than the fucking sound of your son's laughter at your, like, genuinely, like, worse than every joke I've made on this podcast. I've made a lot of bad jokes in this podcast. He was losing it. And so how do you follow that up? And on that farm, he had a toilet. (laughs) And he, my son started crying laughing because I said, with a flush flush here and a flush flush there. (laughs) <laughs> and awesome. I went back out after putting him to bed. He went to bed like happier than he'd ever gone to bed in his entire life. <laughs> My wife looked at me. Bianca was like, "You are such a fuckwit." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I love being a dad so much. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Let's hug it out. <laughs> but we were saying, the Guardian put up this uh, article week before last. <clears throat> yeah, ten drinks you should order instead of a spritz. Yeah. What Which- are your thoughts? Spritz is the first thing I order. Mm. Yeah, spritz is spritz? one of the greatest. Like, come you on. know, what? and and like simple spritz is fucking refreshing. And then you go to somewhere like this must be the place and see how those boys yeah, deal with it. And it's like, fuck. man, like next level in terms of flavor, texture, delicacy. I think some people feel that you need to be hit over the head with a cocktail, and in reality, there's a spectrum that should be broad, so you can kind of reel in every moment that you want to drink a cocktail in. And Spritz, to me, is mm. one of the great drinks. Mm. Refreshing, seriously boozy if you make it the right way. I mean, come on. Like- on on the note of bringing it back to trying to replace the Campari element in a all-Australian so Negroni. Actually, no yeah. what we're talking about. So, today. no, but yeah. in that sense, 
ingredients like this the the italian bitter orange liqueur from adelaide um and and whatever else is being produced all around the country they're they're awesome they're should absolutely delicious but should, we, I, should we play a game called um first word association you have a little sip and then tell us yeah. what we think are you ready you all go right. first mikey all right one two three and go what do you think one word orange <laughs> that's what i was gonna say all right i'm gonna go Campari (laughs) My granny's up next Dilute orange Campari blood orange Dilute That's like five Mm. words yeah. I know, but the flavor. Well, to me, it tastes dilute. It doesn't okay. taste. It doesn't have the texture of it's, Campari. It, yeah, the you, you, you're not going to trump need Campari. Tannin. No one can the get the only, orange tannin. The only thing that can trump Campari and is Hillary Clinton. Is Hillary Thanks so listening yeah. to Hillary Clinton, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Aperol. Like you're going to use one of the, one of the two. No, are you, no are you an Aperol? No, are you, are you no, a Trump no, supporter? I, no, <laughs> the, the <laughs> these are no, definitely I, my favorite episodes of the mission. By the way, <laughs> in, in in a in a like in a geeky way, I I change from Aperol to Campari depending on the the gin and vermouth I use. Um, if it's if it's light and, and floral, then I'll use Aperol. If it's a little bit heavier, it can take Campari. But that's you just always. Play it safe and, and use Campari or, or Aperol, and you're going to have a delicious drink. Even if fuck the ratios are all out, even if there's two cubes of ice, even if it's fucking warm, the Negroni is going to be a delicious drink. Which is why no no bars, no bartenders are, are going to care about using a beautiful boutique product to make the drink slightly better and cost fucking heaps more. You know, but if you're making a, a delicious spritz, something like this, and, and doing something original, yeah, awesome. And and they're they are they're amazing. Everyone that I have is is a better quality product. But Campari's the ingredient in a, in a Negroni. Yeah. Yeah. So we said we were going to talk about cans at some point in this podcast. I was on a another podcast, a comedian from Sweet. Melbourne's podcast, which doesn't exist yet, so I don't know the name of it yet. But it will be up called soon. Two Unfunny Guys. Classic. Fuck Melbourne. You're right. Yeah. Um, it's called Three Listeners. <laughs> so in that podcast, I said that I... Um, it's called I'm Too Busy Wearing Black Turtlenecks to Listen to Shit on the Radio. Having a pube beard. <laughs> uh, I, um, I said that my hierarchy of drinking was number one out of a can, number two out of a glass, and number three out of a bottle. And... The one of the co-hosts was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? That's the opposite. Like, no one likes drinking out of a can. I think like it's it's a really interesting thing. I've I've had this debate um, with a lot of people about the whole can thing, uh, and the the re- the reasons for for can, uh, I think by and large more productive for the beverage inside it than a bottle and. These are the things that I kind of draw out from this argument. Uh, firstly, there's a thing called light strike. And light strike is a product being degraded by light pushing through a clear bottle. And that's why most wine is in green or dark brown bottles, is that the idea that light will affect a beverage inside the glass vessel. Um, 
cans don't do that. That's number one. Number two is that all seals on bottles have some sort of permeability in which oxygen can ingress into that liquid. So with a can, you pretty much guarantee that you don't have any oxidation. Uh, um, I, just, I just want to let everyone know that Mikey's just gone to take a piss as well tonight, right now. Mikey Eggett so, is doing uh, away. Mikey Eggett. Some people call it taking... It's not Mikey Eggett, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but some people call it taking Mr. Ed to the trough. Cool. Cool stuff. This should be edited out. <laughs> Staying in, buddy. <laughs> so with a can, light strike, oxidation, they're two things you avoid. Then people say, oh, no, 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 out of a can it tastes like can. It's like, well, actually there's Off. a there's an impermeable a seal inside a can these days with modern technology, which means that basically there's a sheen of something that isn't can that separates liquid from the actual tin itself. Um, cans... And I looked at some stats. There's, there's, there actually is a PhD in how... Canstats.com. It's, it's a PhD it's, it's, of some it's, kind. It's Mike Benny's homepage. I need to find a reference for it, but that talks about how quickly cans cool down and then also retain coldness versus a bottle. And cans have a kind of optimal zone of cooling that bottles can't get as well. Uh, and then cans crush down to nothing in terms of transportability and shipping around. But also... Oh, hold me, on one second, one second. Hey, Mikey, how was it? Good. I both flushed and washed my hands. What a gentleman. <laughs> you have two sinks. Yeah, one for hands, one for genitals. Fine. <laughs> Not deleting that either. <laughs> you didn't realize one was lower? <laughs> Which one Which did, did you I wash use? your hands in? <laughs> so anyway, the can to me is a is a superior vessel for drink. And you're seeing increasingly, which I think is interesting as well, the asymmetrical t- print t-shirt pubic beard wearing yeah, types. I'm starting to wonder whether Shifting, that was... particularly in the Pacific Northwest of America with their beard. The ATSBWs. That's right. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Straight to, to, to can. Um, and, and wine is always been a kind of um, pedestrian area for, wine in, for, for, for stuff in can. But I think you're seeing little bits and pieces come out in can now, which is more compelling. Better stuff to drink that's not kind of just cheap shit that you you know arguably take to to a, to a you know person's house you don't like. Anyway, um, but there's there's a decent amount of science behind why cans are good and cans feel good. I think as well. I mean, in terms of just visceral experience, it's it's pleasing. But I think a lot of people associate a can with with a, a lack of class and think a bottle is classier. But I, I don't fuck quite get that either. Fuck off. I actually I, do. You guys agree with my hierarchy? Cans. Glasses, bottles. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Cans is the best way to drink. Cans is a very good way to drink. And you, you put out Brian, your wine. You know, uh, I've mentioned wine uh, owned and run by cunts. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we pride ourselves on really being assholes. But uh, you know, you can get Brian in a can, or you can get it in yeah. a, a very accessible smaller bottle. Yeah. Uh, would you ever drink one of the continental tins out of the tin? Oh, I, I have. Great. <laughs> In fact, on a regular basis. How is it? Yeah, cracking. Why don't we try one of these martinis out oh, of the yeah. tin? Should we have two more martinis? We yeah. could try one out of a glass, one out of a tin. Which one is a better experience? Let's just drink both of them out of the tin and disagree. <laughs> we were right to them the get-go. It's, it's just more efficient. You crack it open, you smash it back. After I recorded um, the episode with Elvis at, um, at Continental yeah. a couple of weeks ago, he very proudly showed me uh, the tinning process He's a canny pro- And the canner machine And how proud he is of it It was beautiful It was really really It was like It was a real good bonding session 
Do you have that every day at Look, work? it's no... My no. tin feels like the tide's out. What's going yeah. on here? Really? Oh, some of them I freeboard. Show me yours. Sorry about that. Oh, pretty full. <laughs> yeah, the tide's out in this one. Yeah, sucked in. Um, I'm a complaining customer. I've got, I've got an X on the bottom of yours. Uh, my name is to, to a website called eatability.com. <laughs> <laughs> to Let Yelp. Have a look. Worst cans of martini nah, in Sydney. you're right. <laughs> you're right. Fuck. I want 15 it full. bucks, what do you want? That's <laughs> song and dance yeah. from you. <laughs> no, it's good. And I, I don't know. I think packaging something in that people, that's the biggest classic in a beautiful way, gets people excited, whether it was a can, a bottle, um, any other vessel that someone wants to think up next. Um, just the... The aesthetic of doing it like that, people have gone wild, and that's awesome. Yeah, you know, when 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 we opened up Continental, it was lined with people drinking martinis. That's yeah, that's fucking cool. Yeah, and and that it sort of feeds into the aesthetic of the venue as well, which is yeah. so different to other things. I mean, that whole image of your charcuterie plate, or for me when I go and eat there, it's mm. always the seafood. Yes. Oh, it's, it's mortadella. Yeah, and mortadella. Well, I ask for everything with mortadella there. <laughs> you know, it's just by, by and by the way I like to eat. It's a good story. Mm. Uh, but on the note of showing people the canning machine and taking pride in it, it's fucking cool. And anyone with with a, a, an interest in it, whether whether they're food orientated, drink orientated, or, or just into you know the the, the shit that we're doing, um, it's it's awesome. And and I. I don't know. I, I get a sense of pride when I'm talking to people about it. The other day, it was bar week that just went, which I still don't really even know what that entails. I should know more about it, but uh, but I don't. Anyway, some people from from out of town, from Western Australia, came in with a couple of people from from Melbourne, and um, so you had to talk real slow. Had to talk real slow for them. Yeah. Um, made, made cracked open a few of these guys, and and they loved them. And we showed them around the joint, and I got one of the guys behind the bar to make to make a martini, stick it in a can, took him out the back. He canned it up. Everyone was fucking excited about it, and it's yeah, it's nice. It's a point of difference. Can I, can I ask you one thing about canning cocktails? Do you have to do anything different in terms of um, assuring that that product will be saleable, safe, good quality, fresh? No, nah, just. You just make sure you you, you well, sell it. Um, the the other thing as with, well with is the food. I mean, the bo- yeah, Jesse and and Elvis had to tweak recipes to ensure that it was okay. So yeah, there there there's I guess there's one thing that when you're doing when you're packing food into into the can, you're filling it right up. You're making sure it's sealed and there's no oxygen in the can. Like you mentioned, the, the can not being full yet. That's yeah, clearly with the drinks, no one gives a shit. Yeah, that, but no, but that, it's it's an issue because obviously that's, there's there's room for oxygen in the can. Sure no one gives a shit. If there's if if there's room for oxygen in the can, it's going to be reacting, and so you need to move them. Um, these cans aren't aren't lined with. Have them, you, have so you had a look at um, let's call it in inverted commas vintage cans where you've yeah aged. I've I've got some aging in the office at the moment. The last one I cracked open was was a couple of months old. And yeah, it tasted like shit. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so spirits plus, or is it the li- is it the lemon? Do you know what? It's the temperature is a definite. So we keep them refrigerated. We keep them ice cold the whole time, and they don't react. As soon as you start applying heat, 
things become more reactive. As soon as and you touch something, you apply hate to me. What's cooler than being cool? <laughs> Nobody? Is <laughs> it dad joke? It's like an ice cold. Our car song. Tell it to your son. <laughs> I don't listen to rap music It's not even a rap outcast song God. Anyway, this has been the worst episode of The Mission ever Thanks so much for listening <laughs> You can find us online at facebook.com Slash The Mission Or send us an email to themitchinpodcast at gmail.com Mikey, where can we find you online? Uh, <laughs> youporn.com Is that really what you're going to go with? Uh, no. what, what do you mean where can you find Uporn me slash Mikey <laughs> What's your fucking Instagram name? You oh, fucking uh, I don't know. Egg? I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're looking for your phone so you can tell yeah, us. Yeah, Michael. Hey, Mike Benny. You're savvy with your own yeah. fucking life. You can find me at Mike Benny one zero one on Instagram, Twitter, one zero one, and in cyberspace. I'm in a yeah, I got rid of it. Yeah, I'm just Michael Nicolian. Michael Nicolian. Pat of inch bestes, yeah. Mikey. Ah, uh, inch bestes. Your zub is my favourite. <laughs> Shut up with that filthy pig Latin. Hi, I'm yes. Hi, I'm yes. Kajvatanem Tornem, yes. So, Armenian war cry yeah, for Mikey. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I, mean, I thought you were from London. London. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm. <laughs> Great episode, guys. And uh, it's always just good fun just being here with you, talking about drinks while drinking. <laughs> I need to wee really bad, so we're going to end right now. You can uh, find me online at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Send us an email at themitchinpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, ben, thank you so much for your incredible email. Look, we spent 45 minutes answering your questions, so that should be enough incentive for anyone else to send any question in the hope of us talking about it at length. See you next time. Goodbye. Thank you to the Mikeys, both of the Mikeys. It's been a pleasure. Cool. You guys want to go to bed? Yeah, sure. I've got to go back to work. Yeah, I've got a triple size. Oh, nice. Mirrors on the ceiling. Drink holsters by the bed. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Mitchin Podcast. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to the Mitchin. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One of them is called Hey Fam and is about comedy and pop culture and dumb shit. The other one is called Serious Issues and is all about comic books. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.